Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we explore the big political issues of the moment. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. Now, this week, the leader of the Democratic Alliance, John Steenhuisen, announced that six opposition parties, including the DA, would hold a national convention aimed at ousting the ANC in the next elections. The so-called Moonshot Pact was first mooted by the DA at its Congress in April. Besides the DA, the parties which have signed on for the convention are the Ingata Freedom Party, the Freedom Front Plus, Action SA, United Independent Movement, as well as the Spectrum National Party. In this episode of the Politics Weekly, we explore the Moonshot Pact's chances of success. And on our panel this time, political analyst Asanda Washeng, as well as uh, Wayne Sussman, who's an election analyst. You asked Mr. Ramaphosa to sit down first. I'm standing. Now I warn you. I need to put on my big girl panties and keep going. You can't have two speakers standing at the same time. Security services of the Republic of South Africa, you may intervene. There's been several attempts on my life. Lower that hand. On it's not allowed. president is accused of that serious crimes. I know I'm going to become the president of this country. Uh, you, you are going to be the president of I am going to be the president of, of South Africa. Of South Africa. There's no confusion. Of South Africa. I will cancel rights. Corrupt people do not eat alone. They have a spider web. I'm there. I can lead them. I'm ready to be the president of this country. I now suspend the proceedings. I have warned you. Welcome to the both of you. Now, uh, when, let's start with you. Uh, with the parties, you know, who have signed on for the, for the convention, uh, as, as it were, commanding around 35%, the DA being the biggest player in there, what chance an, an alliance like that uh, have in, from, from where you're sitting? What, what, chance, what chance would they have in toppling the ANC, which, which seems to be the main kind of motivating factor in the thing. I mean, if you, if you put them together, it's, uh, what, about 35%? DA at 21%? Thank you, Bra Mike. I think the idea, the Moonshot Pact will have two goals. One is to bring the ANC below 50%, and number two, to bring the ANC well below 50%, so it and the EFF or it and other potential coalition partners can't form a coalition. I think right now even option one is going to be a big challenge to get the ANC under 50%. I think they're hovering about on the 50% mark. Um, But what the Moonshot Pact can do is energize the opposition. They can say that they're offering something new. And again, we have to wait until the middle of August to see what this Moonshot Pact actually means. Is it going to be I don't think it'll be one party, but how is it going to work? How are they going to compete with each other? What's their offering? How are they going to energize the electorate? But right now, I mean, even 35% might be a bit high. I would say somewhere between 33 32% to 37% is what the Moonshot Pact would, would get. And that's a long way away, again, from bringing the ANC below mm-hmm. 50% and hurting the ANC enough that it doesn't have a path to another five years okay. of power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, Asanda, I'm giving the, the crystal ball to you uh, in turn. The objective of the pact, as it were, and of the parties attending the convention is to topple the ANC, basically. What, what chances would you give them? 
I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a very ambitious but uh, unrealistic uh, project for a number of reasons. So the first reason I would give, I agree with uh, you know what has already been been said, but I think uh, you know just to to reiterate that number one, you've got a number of challenges. The first being you have to first of all assume that the ANC will not get fifty percent plus which everybody seems to think that it won't, but they may still surprise us by actually achieving that. So that's the first kind of hurdle. The second hurdle is the fact that you have to assume that people are going to be willing to vote for a conglomerate of opposition parties. So why am I talking about it as a conglomerate of opposition parties? I'm doing that because... What this Moon Pact idea wants, it's to say that I am a person who ordinarily would vote for, say, Action SA, but and I will continue to vote for Action SA, knowing that the Action SA may take my vote and combine it with the DA. That's a very dangerous presumption because the reason why people don't vote for the DA is because people don't want the DA in power. And so when you take a person who is presumably by voting for Action SA or another uh, opposition party, you are actually, in fact, voting against the DA because it's not as if the DA doesn't exist in the ballot. And so there is this idea that people who are in opposition of the ANC must be in support of the DA, which is a, which is a lie, right? Because people who are for the DA, will vote for the DA. People who are against the ANC will vote for other, you know, opposition parties. But you you may find and you do find that people can be against both the DA and the ANC, in which case then it becomes a problem for me if I'm going to vote for Action SA or EFF or any of the, uh, you know, opposition parties. If I find myself now knowing, almost guaranteed, that my vote will be used and will be added to a DA vote when I don't want the ANC or the DA. Mm. And, and Wayne, I'd like for you to come in here. We'll come back to the possible strategy of how in an election the pact might work or not work, you know, uh, just, just to expand on, on, on the point that, that Asanda's just touched on. But I, I wanted to ask as well about the, the question of the brands, you know, even now, you know, before the election, you know, because presumably they, they, the convention happens, there's an agreement. Uh, how do they proceed between the convention and the election? How do you manage the brands? You know, do, do, you, do you sell one brand? Do you sell several brands, but which, which are also pretending to be a different brand? Great question. So let's look at history where this has happened. And I think it was either 2004 or 1999 with Tony Leon and Mangasutu Butelezi, where they tried this in KwaZulu-Natal, where the idea was the sum is greater than the parts. And that if the IFP and the DA or DP then run together as a pact, they have a chance of uh, beating the ANC. And that didn't work out. Look, that's a long time ago. It's almost 20 years ago. So we're now in a different era. Um, so that's something interesting to work uh, to look at. From On a practical level, in by-elections right now, this is actually playing out. So it didn't work 19, 20 years ago, but it has been working with the IFP and the DA in KwaZulu-Natal, where they have an agreement right now 
in wards where they can beat the ANC or they're at risk of losing to the ANC, one of them drops out and endorses the other. And that is uh, benefited. But that's a specific by-election. Mm-hmm. You cannot entertain that risk. You cannot entertain that idea in an actual election where you're trying to get as many members of parliament or members of provincial legislatures as possible. So that's going to be the key thing is how do I not weaken my own brand if I run under a bigger brand? And that's going to be a hard thing to convince activists in the party of, donors of, um, and certainly the voters. Mm. I just want to touch briefly, if I can, on the donors. I do think there will be pressure from certain donors to all these politi- to all six political parties to say, look, if you come together, um, you go from either a 3 or 4% party or a 19 to 21% party to being a, a party which has over a third, at least a third of the country's support. And we'll give you more money. So that's going to be in- mm-hmm. interesting. We can't discount the donors and their wishes over here. So there's going to be a lot to think of right here. Mm-hmm. And let's just take Herman Mashaba, for example. He made his debut in the 2021 local government elections. Very clear that they only contested six municipalities, three in Gauteng, three in KwaZulu-Natal. This will be a national and provincial election. He, of course, he wouldn't do it if he didn't believe this, believes that he is going to transform South African politics. If he goes full on board on the, on the moonshot pact, yeah. does he run the risk of, being, of not reaching his full potential? So mm-hmm. these are the things one has to consider. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Asanda, I, I, uh, Wayne is talking about the the role of uh, of donors. Yeah. But I would like I would like to go back to to the whole question of uh, the, the the strategy of the DA and presumably what what will be the strategy of the of the Moonshot Pact, which is based on getting rid of the ANC or toppling the ANC. Now it it seems to assume. Just to go back to your earlier point, that there is a groundswell or a substantial sentiment among the electorate of people who want primarily uh, to get rid of the ANC and they will b- by any means necessary kind of thing. You, you don't think that they, they, you know, there may be a case for that? I think that, you know, there is a groundswell of people who want to get rid of the ANC and there's even a percentage of those people who are willing to do that by all means necessary. But I wouldn't go so far as to think that all South Africans or at least more than 50 percent of South Africans want to get rid of the ANC and will do so by any means necessary. Because I also think that, you know, this moon pact shot um, plan also kind of does some undermining of the other smaller opposition parties because it kind of says that, you know, people actually only have an an option between two parties, the DA or the ANC. And it kind of suggests that, you know, these people who vote for the other smaller parties don't really want to vote for the other smaller parties. Um, People vote for specific parties and specific brands because that's what they want. Otherwise, they wouldn't exist. I would have more respect for the DA if the DA was trying to convince everybody who's outside of the DA to join the DA and to kind of go at the election under the, the DA banner. That, I think, would be a smart move. That, I think, would be a very interesting move to march. But this this idea of going 
and run under your own banner, go and get votes under your own banner, and then let's kind of gazata and, you know, kind of holisa Stockfell, um, <laughs> the nation's votes. Is that a, like, is a, a very, contribution, very you know, yeah, yeah, of, of the dregs, yeah. It's it's a very dangerous one because it 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 seeks to annihilate, it seeks to dominate, and it seeks to dilute the other political parties. And I say this because remember the DA itself is in decline in the Western Cape. So the DA lost, uh, you know, five percent of the vote in 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 the Western Cape, and the DA itself stands to potentially need a coalition partner in order to continue to dominate in the Western Cape. And so I think the message. South Africans are sending is not only to the ANC, but I think it's a message against the incumbent. So people have decreased their voting for the ANC while they have decreased their voting for the DA. So the DA is not increasing in terms of its popularity. It's decreasing. That's why they've gone from having a much larger percentage in previous election to a much lower percentage. So at some stage, you know, um, they were sitting at 22% and and then 20% and so on and so on. And so they've decreased. They may have increased their municipalities, but when it comes to national, when it comes to province, they haven't managed to to get those votes. And so I think what would have been smarter, as I said, is to either get everybody or as many people under the DA banner or to rather wait until after the election and call for, which I had suggested, to either call for a national Um, you know, conference on coalition Mm -hmm. governments where rules are set by everybody already in the system and all those who are outside of the system who are interested, where everybody can decide what are the rules, who, you know, can get a position and and how do we avoid a situation where 1%, a 1% voter like Al-Jamaa and other political parties have done suddenly has a mayorship. How do we avoid that? Because mm. that that in a way is is problematic from a democratic standpoint. You can't have one percent now leading their most po- the most important and their most powerful mm. position. And so I think there should either have been or must be a conference to talk about coalition governance, to set rules for coalition governments before the elections, or there must be one after the elections. In which case, if you try to put together something like Moonshot after the elections, it might make sense because now you know for sure that the ANC is uh, is, is, is hasn't gotten the 50%. And you mm. know for sure, and you are able to, to, to kind of work on a number and you are able to malignate you know those votes in fact i i fear for the for the da and opposition parties that what they are trying to do may have the opposite effect mm. where people are saying i don't like the anc and i don't like the da right but now the D, now everybody that I could vote for outside of the DA has gone for a malignation or a JVA with the DA. Therefore, my vote is going to be accepted by the DA whether I want it or not. Mm. And people might actually vote in rebellion and put in place the ANC again, because then when people could kind of say, would I rather have a DA leadership or have an yeah. ANC leadership? Somebody sits there and says, given a choice between these two, I choose the ANC. 
then you are actually in a worse of position mm. than what you were before. Yeah. And we know we know because the DA does not engage with the politics of race, does not engage with the real source of inequality in South Africa and wants to play colorblind politics in a country that has a history of apartheid, that has a history of race-based politics, that they are not a favorite for the majority, which is the average black South African. Mm. And if the ANC comes back and says, look, these guys want to bring back apartheid, they are even talking to all the other opposition parties to make sure that they bring back apartheid, then the ANC is going to be running, not even walking um, over that 50% yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Because we know that there are no South Africans, never mind black South Africans, who want apartheid black. And so what they are doing, I think, in a lot of ways, really plays into the ANC and the ANC's ability to fear monger around bringing back discriminatory based government and we know that in the in in the western cape where the da governs the ways in which the people of kailicha are governed and the ways in which the people of Claremont are governed are chalk and cheese and so no south african wants to see themselves living in a chalk and cheese south africa mm. where we are back to an apartheid style south yeah. africa where the suburbs where mostly white people live are getting the resources and the townships where mostly black people live are under-resourced. Yeah, yeah. When uh, Asanda says, you know, that that, that she detects uh, an undermining effect in, in, in the way that the moonshot uh, process is being put together. But, you know, and I'm going to put this to you, that the, the, the DA may very well turn around and say this was our idea. We, we came up with the idea. We invited you guys to come in. Um, so, so, and, and we're the biggest party of the ones who, for example, will be going to the, to the national convention. Would, would they have a case? Yeah. So, I mean, Stian Hazen already has emerged as the spokesperson for this whole thing. Correct. That's, they need to be very careful there because you need to empower someone like Herman Mashaba, Velen Corsini Chlabisa, the other, uh, Peter Grunewald, the other major players in this moonshot pact because that's key that it doesn't just get seen as a da project i think uh what so what's very very important is generally in elections parties are reluctant to commit who they're going to work with before the elections the smaller parties because and asanda's um alluded to it because if i know that the ifp is going to work with the DA or the ANC, I might as well just vote for the DA or the ANC. So that's the tightrope which John Steenhuisen is going to have to operate in here. How much of this can I control and own and how much can the DA benefit from it? But at the same time, not undermining our partners, which is um, which is a, a criticism the DA gets a lot, that they don't know how to manage coalitions. And how do we give the, co the, the other members of the Moonshot Pact talking points and selling points say, look, we benefit by remaining part of the Moonshot Pact. And there are a number of parties out there right now who are not part of the Moonshot Pact and I think would work better with the part of the Moonshot Pact than the ANC and the EFF. And that'll be the next step for the Moonshot Pact. How do we get the African Christian Democratic Party as part of the Moonshot Pact? How do we get Songhezo Zibi's Rise in Zanzi as part of the Moonshot Pact? How do we get Musi Maimani's Build One South Africa? Because is the Moonshot Pact going to be a stillborn project in a month, in just mm -hmm. over a month's time? 
or can it galvanize um, the buy-in from all the co- from all the Moonshot Pact members? One and two, can other members join? I mean, there's also Team Sugar and KwaZulu Natal. There are a variety of other players which could give this more momentum. But again, I go back to my earlier point. It's a very long way mm. to go from 33 35% to mm. toppling the ANC. Mm. Uh, Sander, the other element, I suppose, that would need to be managed in a, in a pact like this, you know, uh, or in a movement like this or an alliance like this, is the, the question of personalities. I think we, we touched on them earlier on, you know, uh, to Wayne's point. You know, I'm looking at Heman Mashaba. I cannot imagine Heman Mashaba sitting quietly at the back and taking instruction or allow you know being happy for someone else to speak on his on his behalf i cannot see stianazen doing the same uh, in pretty much the same way that if you if one were to imagine an alliance between the ANC and the EFF. I can't see Julius Malema sitting quietly in a corner and saying, well, I'm a junior partner here, you know, Cyril uh, Ramaphosa or Paul Mashajile can be the kind of like uh, front person for the thing, you know, exclusively. What role uh, or what impact uh, do you think personalities, you know, might play in putting together something like the, the, the Moonshot Pact? I think that, you know, um, that's a very interesting question because, you know, there are various assumptions that are always dangerous to make when it comes to this thing. So the only political party, to my mind, in South Africa that far surpassed a long time ago, and this has to do with its history, it surpassed, um, you know, this, this idea of the although they still have the cult of personality, but they've they've basically surpassed it in ways that others haven't. So the ANC, there are people who will vote for the ANC no matter whose face is on, right? Mm. And we saw this. We saw this with Jacob Zuma. Everybody said, oh, no, the ANC is going to fall apart because nobody likes Jacob Zuma, et cetera, et cetera. And the ANC managed to still have a strong showing during Jacob Zuma and still came back for a second term, you know, precisely because people vote for the ANC and not for the current leader office. Now, I don't know if an Action SA has the same. I don't know if I can say that an EFF has the same. Could people vote for the EFF if Julius Malema was not the leader? I don't know. Could people vote for Action SA if um, Mohamed Mashaba was was not the leader? I don't know. And we saw with Akhang, for instance, that the minute Mampele Rampele stepped away, it kind of fizzled out and it still hasn't been able to recover since. We saw with COPE that, uh, you know, the minute there were issues with Mbazima Shiloa, between Mbazima Shiloa and Terra Likota, it kind of fizzled out. And so personalities play a very important role. And you have a lot of these these uh, smaller opposition parties rely on the cult of personality, rely on having one strong leader that is visible and that the people can speak to. And and to the point that has already been made, when you now want to put everybody under the umbrella of the DA, what happens to those votes that would ordinarily be won based on the cult of personality? And further to that, you also have a problem with even within the DA, there are many who are not happy with John Stenhazen as a leader who feel like, you know, the DA has much better leaders, has much more qualified leaders. And they feel like, you know, John Stenhazen with his matric, unfortunately, does not represent the kind of excellent excellence, does not represent the kind of 
qualifications and expertise that they want to showcase for a future South Africa. And so these are some of the questions that you need to ask. Are people going to say, I don't mind throwing out a Herman Mashaba who, you know, has uh, business experience, has political experience, et cetera, et cetera, throwing out a, a Julius Malema who has political experience, some uh, qualifications, et cetera, et cetera, for a, a John Steinhazen. And you must remember also that, you know, they're walking a very dangerous line. South Africa has a history of something called the tricameral um, institutions wherein black people voted in white people and had white people as their proxies in a parliament mm. that they were not allowed to vote in. And so that is a memory that many South Africans still have. And that is history that many South Africans um, will and can and do talk to their children about. And so this idea that let's have all these black people and these black leaders malignate and become the superstructure under this white leader who is the least qualified and technically the least competent, harks very much back to try camera mm. um you know who by whiteness by proxy mm, mm. i i want to raise a a, a slightly strategic uh, issue uh, with, with the both of you you know the idea which which uh, which was peddled if you like by john steen hazen after the conference this idea of putting the ANC and the EFF together and saying that they are enemy number one and they've got to be stopped is it could that be a an, an oversimplification of the po political dynamic in South Africa and the balance of, of forces? When do you want to go first? Yeah, I think that language, it's a, it's a risky strategy, but I, I think it can energize the base of the DA. It can energize voters in the Western Cape. It can energize people in a battleground province like Gauteng. Um, I think it's a messaging which resonates with quite a number of action SA voters and certainly the overwhelming majority of uh, of Freedom Front voters. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting, we saw when, I'm going to go off on a slight tangent, but it was a very interesting electoral development was when the EFF walked out of working with the IFP in KwaZulu-Natal and voters, and they walked to the ANC, the EFF. They're now in coalition with the ANC in a number of municipalities um, in KwaZulu-Natal. And voters in particularly rural areas have punished the EFF for working with the ANC. Mm. Um, their stock has declined. But back to your question, I do think it can energize the base. But as Asanda has been saying, this country has, I mean, this, is, this isn't history. This is recent political memory for a mm. lot of voters. And if you use, if it gets perceived as a race, uh, as, as a race baiting idea, when you're speaking about the ANC and the EFF together, you might limit your potential. If we look at, and I just want to speak about the recent round of by-elections, mm -hmm. three of the six parties here have something to offer the Moonshot Pact. You've just seen the DA in the area of Newlands East and Newlands West, which was historically an ANC ward, beat the ANC by almost two, by, by a margin of two votes to one. This is a colored and black area in Durban. That is something they should be selling to the Moonshot Pact. We see Action SA winning a thousand votes, um, mainly in the in the township area of Fine Town in Johannesburg last week. Yes, they finished third, but in the actual area of Fine Town, because Ennerdale is a majority coloured area, but in the part of Fine Town, they did really well. And then you also see the IFP 
continue to be the ANC in urban areas in places like Sweetwaters and Peter Maritzburg. So all these parties have some kind of growth trajectory. I'm not saying it's a consistent yeah. trajectory. Mm. Thing is, if it becomes oversimplified, if these parties lose their identity, if these parties are just seen as a part of the DA plus instead of the DA, mm. then they run the risk of losing some momentum. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Asanda, the, 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 what, is the, what should we read into the absence of uh, Build One South Africa, UDM and the Patriotic Alliance, their, their absence from the moonshot uh, so far, I mean, as far as we know, uh, their absence from, 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 from the, you know, from, from the convention, you know. Uh, what should we read into that? Is it significant or not really? I think it's very, I think it's very smart of them because they are saying to their voters that uh, we are not going to basket your votes with the DA. And I think that's a very good strategy for them because they are saying to people that when you vote for us, you vote for us. You're not inadvertently or indirectly voting for um for for the DA. And I and I and I think that, you know, um another one that we haven't really spoken about because we focus on the Moon Pact, uh, which I, I think we we just started talking about is the ANC EFF uh, coalition. Um that has uh, you know some that has some potential dire consequences for the EFF because people vote not for the ANC, not by mistake, but because they have reasons. And if the EFF takes those votes and goes and puts them together with the ANC, then people might just be like, well, I don't want the ANC. And therefore, by aligning yourself with the ANC, I also then don't want you, EFF. And while, uh, you know, it may work for the politicians in the EFF in the sense that if they are part of an, uh, an ANC coalition, mm. no matter how little their votes are, they guaranteed a chunk of power because even if the ANC loses uh, and gets less than 50%, we can never discount the power that they still will have because the, the, the ANC is a majority party. So even if they get 48%, they're still going to be a majority opposition yeah. if uh, whoever the others are come together and make the government. And so the biggest winners from an ANC EFF pact are the politicians in the EFF and not South Africans. Because if South Africans want the ANC out, then South Africans should be able to get the ANC out. The EFF should not be helping the ANC um, you know, win an election that they technically mm. have lost. And these are the conversations that we need to have as South Africans about what it means to vote for individual parties, what these coalitions have the potential to do in terms of usurping um, democracy and undermining it in a way, I would argue. Mm. And I think uh, Build One by not being there, I think UDM by not being there, they're actually quite smart. They're saying, we are independent and if you want to vote for us, you voting for an independent, mm. unlike the EFF, which is putting its its eggs with the ANC basket, or the other political parties which are putting their eggs yeah. with uh, the DA basket. And I think you know we underestimate the ways in which South Africans are tired of the incumbents. That's why I keep talking about we must understand the DA and the ANC uh, as incumbents to people. For people in the Western Cape, the the DA is the incumbent. They are just like the ANC. For people in in you know across the country the ANC is the incumbent and therefore they are tired of the incumbent. And so South Africans to me are speaking a language of wanting new 
new politics and potentially new politicians. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Rise yeah. mm-hmm. um, and Arise and, you know, and all uh, the some others of the other which are rising up. And how people, yeah, they're all rising. And how people are going to, um, you know, respond in terms yeah. of uh, giving them votes or not giving no. them votes and, and what the implications are for yeah. the future of politics in South Africa. And yeah. I think, you know, one thing I've always said is that one of the things that the ANC did is that it because it was a banned umbrella body, it literally took all the structures that were in place to hold those who were in power to account. It swept them under one branch. And mm. so the Sankos of this world, the UDFs of this world, and all these community-based organizations, which actually were very important for holding government accountable, respect, irrespective of which government it is, they died. And so there's been a gap in a vacuum. And I think that, you know, one of the things that's happening now is that people are recognizing that just because we liked the ANC and we thought the ANC um, should have power, we should never have abandoned all of our political power to the ANC and all of our political leaders to the ANC because now yeah. we are in a situation where, uh, you know, all the leaders that black people used to know and, and love and want are all in the ANC. There are no leaders outside of the ANC. And in fact, these people have then made sure that young leaders within these communities who are outside of the ANC do not thrive, which is something that, um, you know, weird enough what was allowed to happen during yeah, apartheid. Yeah, Different, yeah. like you anybody could stand up and and be a leader and lead as long as they were leading towards the emancipation people. And what has happened with the ANC is that they closed off the political space so much that the only spaces where people were allowed to speak out was in civil society or in media and other spaces. And the political space was closed up. And that's why we are sitting where we are with South Africans saying we are done with the incumbents. We want new voices. And in fact, we are going to punish, I believe, the DA and the ANC yeah. Asanda, Asanda, so sorry to cut in there because there's one other point that I wanted us to engage before we, we, we wrap up and we're, up, we're nearly uh, out of time. But I wanted Wayne to come in as well. Uh, Wayne, BOSA, UGM, PA staying out of the Moonshot uh, Convention. Uh, Asanda says smart strategy. So the one interesting point there, and uh, Asanda, I, she didn't touch her, is the PA because I think they would, in a way, consider being part of the Moonshot Pact. And I think Freedom Front and uh, Action SA wouldn't mind them being part there. But it's absolutely key, Asada spoke about the Western Cape, is the DA cannot have the PA there because they are their major rivals in the Western Cape. The ANC is bigger than the PA in the Western Cape, but the DA's big concern is the PA in the Western Cape. And again, you could build this broad strategy of a number of parties. But if you're going to bring actors on board who are going to eat into your own base, you might want to leave them at the door. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just to close off, you know, very briefly, sure. you know, uh, for the longest time there was the convention, you know, Bantu Holomisa, for example, has, has called for a national convention. But I don't think this is what he had in mind, a meeting of, you know, a couple of political parties. I think I understood him to be asking for a national conversation that brings, you know, different constituencies. You know, uh, Asanda was talking about, for example, you know, the, the likes of the UDF and Sanko and other non-party political uh, kind of entities, you know, but which try to represent various constituencies. What I want to ask you is whether this is the convention that we should all be putting our money on. 
Yeah, well, I think Holomisa is going to look at the African transformation movement without Muzwanile Manier, which I, so I think, but he's in a difficult position right now, the UDM, and so is ATM. So that would be a common, that would be a possible working arrangement. So I think we're going to see smaller versions of the Moonshot Pact, of, of people having the conversation and saying, is the sum greater than the parts? Or do we go it alone because the part is the parts okay. are greater than the sum, and that's mm-hmm. going to be key for the moonshot mm-hmm. pact or any mm-hmm. other conversation mm-hmm. happening between now and the twenty twenty four elections. Yeah, yeah. Asanda, the last word goes to you. Is this the national convention that will get South Africa out of the rut, or do we need something else that that we will also call a national convention that will be <laughs> that that will have a broader objective than just getting rid of the ANC? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think we need we need another Codessa as a country. We need to talk about 30 years after um, apartheid, where are we and what kind of country do we want to be and what kind of future do we want? And I think it's a good idea to bring, as I've said, uh, current political parties as well as those that are seemingly outside of the system but are interested in politics as well as those who are in the NGO sector or civil society in, in general um, because if we don't do that, then we run the risk of seeing what we saw in municipalities where all kinds of weird and wonderful things were happening. Um, so we need to have a conversation about who do we want to be as a country and then consequently, who do we think can lead that vision, that plan. And right now, um, the, the political parties are too busy being concerned about whether they're going to win or lose the election to actually convene that. And I think, you know, I know that the ANC has asked for a conversation around uh, coalitions. I think that's important. UDM has also asked for that conversation. And I suppose in some ways one can argue Moon Pact is also yet another attempt. But I think there needs to be a much more coordinated mm. strategy that speaks to what is the vision for South Africa before we we start talking about who's going to win. What is the vision for South Africa? And I think it can happen before elections. I think it can happen after elections because even, by the way, these pacts that are being signed now, whether it's Moon Pact or any of the other pacts, trust me, when the numbers come in, people can still change their mind. Yeah. That's why they continue to be individual political parties and not be, um, you know, running under the banner of the DA. Because if, if people wanted true engagement and true co- cooperation, they would go under the banner of the DA. They're not doing that. So post-election, if they maybe get 10% when they thought they were going to get 5%, they might actually be like, no, nah, actually, I'm going to, I want to be kingmaker. Yeah. And if the ANC gives me a better deal, I'll go yeah, with the ANC. Yeah, yeah. And if whoever the other party is gives me a better deal, that's who I'll go with. This is the yeah. nature of politics. And unfortunately, the loser becomes South Africa. That's why we need a bigger plan, a bigger thinking, and a, and a vision. Okay. Yeah. I think we'll wrap it up there on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly for this week. Uh, and we have our guests to thank, a political analyst, Asanda Mwasheng, as well as Wayne Sussman, who's an election analyst. Uh, we appreciate your time. I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed, and let's do good for our country.